Welcome to the Collab 365 podcast with today's hosts, Andy Talbot and Nick Bertoli. Hey, Andy. How you doing? Hey, Nick, and hello to everyone else at home or at work or wherever you are. This is the Cloud 365 live show brought to you by myself, Andy Talbot, and joined by my co-host, Mr. Nick Nohair. Mr. Nohair, how are you doing today? Yeah, you know, I'm doing good. I'm pretty beaten up and bruised from uh, my fights from yesterday, like usual. Um, but I'm very excited to talk about what we're going to talk to about today, because I've blown up many search applications in my on-prem days. Um, I'd like to, I'm very excited to hear about all of our new stuff. Okay, well, thankfully, I haven't done that because my clients <laughs> trust me to deliver a quality product. But you know what? Uh, I'm being asked more challenging questions now, more challenging than, than previous. So search has never been a straightforward topic, in my opinion, at scale, especially large enterprises, geographically displaced, so on with complex information architectures. But now we've got this new concept that community is, is talking about, and that's modern, modern search and classic search. So we're going to explore quite a bit about that and maybe do a bit of myth-busting in this but we can't do this alone so we're joined by two very special guests and in no particular order we're going to choose Naomi hello Naomi Money Penny how are you today I'm doing wonderful and I hope that you are too <laughs> so, oh I'm even uh, better than seeing your smiles there it is okay. there's the trademark smile <laughs> I just, now I'm going to feel self-conscious all the way through this right I just talk about smiles but it's good uh, I am Naomi uh, I just my real name is Money Penny I always have to say that like for people who don't know me uh, so yes it really is my, my real name and uh, I am a senior product manager for the SharePoint OneDrive and Yammer team uh, over at Microsoft well, that's amazing. So there's a good expectation you know what you're talking about today, yes? I try. <laughs> <laughs> and to help join the conversation for good balance, we're joined by Agnes Moller. Hello, Agnes. How are you doing? Hi, Andy, and hello, everyone. I'm doing great. Thank you. My name is Agnes Moller. I am from Hungary, and I am a search consultant. I run my own company called Search Explain. So I... Oh, Agnes, you're so modest, aren't you? You do so much in search. I think you're pretty much known as the community person for it, right? I'm surprised you're not actually at Microsoft, but let's park that right there for a moment <laughs> and go straight into some myth busting. So, to start it off, classic search, modern search. Are we using the correct terms there? I'm going to say no, but uh, that's just my opinion, obviously. Uh, so I really I really think about this as kind of the, the new announcements that we made at Ignite were really around how we're adding a new capability into the Microsoft Graph around personalization. Uh, and so we've always had uh, search, obviously, great search capabilities inside of, of SharePoint. We acquired a company called Fast way back in 2008, but gave us kind of that nascent uh, beginning. And so many people who are in the on-prem world are very familiar with that company. And so that kind of gave us the beginning to a lot of the graph technology that you see now inside of Office 365. And so it's that same uh, engineering team there. It's obviously gotten bigger, better, uh, even more stuff coming out of them uh, to really think about uh, how we can add more capabilities Abilities into the graph. So it's not just the, the collaboration patterns, it's not just the content that you're working on, it's not just the organizational structure, all of those things that are components of the graph, but now we're really using them as a way to transmit personalization of those results to you. And so we're trying to do that across every single experience in Office, uh, in Office 365 and, and even beyond that. So it's kind of what we talk about with personalization, that's kind of the, the new angle. 
And so we've, we've made a new UX inside of SharePoint. I know we'll talk about that later on. So with nice user experience that's there, we've got some great rich previews, lots of capabilities there. But the Enterprise Search Center is still very much there inside of SharePoint. Uh, we haven't changed that in any way. It's still very much supported, keeps going on, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just there as, as a part of it. And so what we might think about as classic search is always there, right? It's in the background. It's always a component. We're just adding additional capabilities in it now with the personalization and other intelligence features. That's an amazing explanation. Thanks very much, Nomi. So Agnes, I'd love to get your view on this because you've, you've been... You've been having these same questions, haven't you? And I know you dug a lot out of it tonight and blogged quite a bit around it. So it'd be great to get your take on classic versus modern. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yes, I think the primary confusion comes because of uh, this new uh, personalized uh, thing and powered by Microsoft Graph and everything where we don't have the old classic capabilities of configuration versus we have something called classic search or enterprise search center where we can do the customizations, but it's not powered by the graph at the moment. So I, I think the primary confusion comes from this, uh, in my experience, because users are very excited about the new personalized or modern uh, experiences they just don't know which one to use and how to use them and they think uh, um, and and I and most of the users think that this new personalized thing is instead of the old classic search or the enterprise search center but it's not instead actually they should live together next to each other and they are complementing each other in my experience. Yeah, definitely. I, definitely. I, I think we see the Enterprise Search Center as being the organizational's take on, on search, right? So it's like, here you have these customer finders, you have custom properties, you can do layouts, you can do all kinds of stuff there. So it's like the organization's kind of push or take on search. And so what we're trying to do is just augment that with here's the personalization angle of I just need to find the content that I need or the people that I need to work with, right? And so we're trying to do that personalization piece in the applications where you're getting work done. But if you want that sort of authoritative result, basically from an enterprise perspective, from an organizational perspective, you're going to go to the Enterprise Search Center, which, you know, if your company is invested and has the capabilities to invest, right, to do beautiful uh, solutions in there, then those capabilities are, are definitely still there. So one of the things you just mentioned, Omi, and I actually love there is you're talking about, we're all quite familiar, I think, in organizations who go into an enterprise search center and so on. Do we think, first of all, that we're aware that consumers of these um, Office 365 services and whatnot are aware that they're getting a personalized search experience in the first place? Yeah, right now they, you know, as soon as we roll out this new functionality, obviously they will be. It's not there yet, um, so it's it's coming in the next few months. So it's kind of what we showed again is to try to help you find that signal, right? It's all about refining how do I get the signal from the noise in terms of what I'm looking for for my search, and so we don't want to bamboozle the user with a million results, right? We're getting a bigger scope increase across the whole of the Microsoft Graph, right? You're not just dealing with just SharePoint content anymore. You've got content in OneDrive, you've got content in your email attachments, you've got content everywhere, right? And and so it's like, how do I just find the stuff that's probably most relevant to me? And so that's where we're taking that, that layer of personalization and saying, hey, I understand you know, where Nick's doing his work. I understand where Andy's doing his work, where Agnes is doing the work. And so understanding those collaboration patterns in order to be able to refine and rank the results in an appropriate way for you. Um, and so that's kind of our, our vision there. So 
we have sort of the tension between those companies who've invested very heavily in the past in enterprise search, and that's wonderful. And if you are a company of such resources that you are able to do that, um, it's fantastic and you have some great results and those custom layouts and all that stuff, nothing is changing there. But if you're a company that is one of the other 100 million plus users, right, in Office 365, right. who was not able to invest in search, what we're trying to do is, is basically, you know, have that added capability on top of it. and so. For a small business, for a medium-sized business, for companies who don't have um, the expertise to be able to, to do this to sort of customize, we're trying to just sort of raise the raise the bar on what it is we can deliver, so you can get the stuff you need to know about faster. Yep, and I I think that this is the key here because, you know, even in the enterprise search center and even on-prem. Uh, we have, and by default, this is the default landing page. If you go to an enterprise search center, it is everything search. Mm -hmm. And actually, this doesn't really have people, especially, you know, the organizations who have millions of documents or hundreds of millions of documents. Everything search doesn't work without investing into search. So I feel that the most important benefit of this personalization and trying to add the relationship between, you know, personal relationship and relationship between the person and content into the picture uh, comes here. So instead of using the enterprise search centers, everything search, using this personalized thing, which doesn't use the structure that the organizations add to content, because maybe they don't add anything. But at the same time, in Microsoft Graph, we have a huge value of relationships. And this relational, relationship information uh, powers this new kind of search instead of using the old everything search. And this is the primary value. And uh, Andy, you have mentioned my blog post, but I also had a session at Ignite about how to optimize your content for search and discovery. That's referenced uh, in the blog post as well, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So basically, and this, this is what I talked about at Ignite as well. And my session was on Friday, so a couple of days later uh, after the keynote and after Naomi's and Katrina's uh, search session. So basically, you know, what I uh, explained there and my blog post is about the same is that, you know, you have this kind of pyramid of content. On the bottom of this pyramid, you have all the unstructured data and even the dark data, which you don't know about anything. And on the top of this pyramid, you have those that structured data that is that has the highest value for your organization. And most probably you add uh, the best uh, structure there, the best metadata there, the best information architecture, you have governance there and everything. And those uh, uh, th that, that information, that uh, data on the top of your pyramid powers your enterprise search applications, which are really targeted specific applications like project search, like, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, customer specific things or your product specific uh, dashboards or whatever. But on the bottom of uh, this pyramid, you still have that unstructured data which you don't know about anything in many cases, not you, not your organization, nobody in your organization, but still you want to find and you want to discover content. And this it's somewhat is somewhat dark matter really, isn't it? 
Exactly. So mm. th this is where this personalized thing comes into the picture. So from the bottom to the top, the bottom of this pyramid is about, you know, finding and discovering content in this unstructured world. And on the top, uh, you can have those specific search-driven applications to be able to find uh, your structured and well-organized uh, information and content. And for anyone that's wondering about this pyramid, uh, Agnes has put it, put together this as a graphic on her blog. And the blog, um, just so everyone is aware, it's searchexplain.com. So if you go there, lots of search goodness. And this particular one was posted on the 10th of October, and it's called My Thoughts About Modern Search Experiences in Office 365 with Microsoft Ignite Reactions. Now, <clears throat> before we come to the reactions, and also uh, all the stuff that Naomi was talking about, because I think you did about three sessions there. Is that right, Naomi? At least three sessions of Ignite. Uh, yeah, I did a whole bunch, yeah. <laughs> so it's all I good. But those are the ones that are relevant to search. It's all good. It's all good. Fantastic. So before we, we go there, one of the things I'd, I'd quite like to um, just explore for people who may not be familiar with this is what, what are those common entry points for, for consuming modern search experiences? Because the one that kind of jumps out at me straight away is, is Delve. But surely yeah, that, definitely. there's more, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think this is a good way to, to also talk a little bit about Microsoft 365 uh, more generally as well. I, I know, you know, previously you had another show that sort of talked about that. And so just to, to base set on that, Microsoft 365 is, is really our way of putting together Office 365, all the great stuff in Office 365, nothing strange or different about that particular variant there. Uh, EMS, which is Enterprise Mobility and Security, uh, which is basically has an intelligent security graph of its own uh, and really helps you with how do I secure and understand that content, however it's flowing inside my organization, and then how do I make sure that I'm able to lock down the data that's in applications and devices. And then also Windows, right? And so if you think about what you can do there across a whole range of devices, it's really important that search is basically just a utility in all of that, right? Search is just something that should be ubiquitous, uh, and you really shouldn't have to go to another search experience that's dedicated to just find something, right? You should just be, search should just be like electricity, right? It should just be where you are, and it should just work. <laughs> so, and, so we think about that. Hurt by it, really, should you? No, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's the difference between the, the consumer model, I would say, and the enterprise model. And we, sure. we thought hard about this in terms of looking at that because, like, right now, our vision of search is the consumer is that I go off to some web page on the web and I have, you know, basically a blank screen with a box at the middle of it, right? That is not commensurate with an enterprise piece where you're really looking at, like, how do I find that content that I need? How do I find the expertise that I need? I just want to get it done in the moment where I am. And I don't want to break what I'm working on. If I'm working in a PowerPoint you know, deck, or if I'm in a Word document, or if I'm doing something in a SharePoint list, right? I don't want to have to break what I'm doing and go to the web browser and go to a search thing, right? And so it's kind of like, I just want that search to be there. And so that's why we really thought about this more broadly across the whole of Microsoft 365. So the different entry points we sort of talked about at Ignite, and there'll be more obviously in the future, and then people can build more of their applications, and you know you can have it however you want, right? But we really think about search and discovery as, the, as those different capabilities that you can have across any app. 
So um, the first one I would talk about briefly is kind of the office.com. So we've redesigned office.com. You might've seen that, that new layout, which is really helpful in terms of being able to surface up both applications that you have inside of office, because we know there's a lot of applications that you have access, a lot of tools that you have access to. Uh, and so behind that waffle, there is a whole uh, myriad of goodness uh, that we really want to, to access. And so you can actually discover new applications inside of there, right? Uh, you can discover the content that you have been recently working on and things that are recommended for you based on you know, your collaboration patterns inside of your organization. And so it's kind of proactively giving you that discovery experience just from your first entry point into office.com. And so that same search experience that you have in office, so I can do rich previews, I can do office.com, I can search for you know, whatever it is that I'm, I'm looking for. And so I'm gonna get that rich experience right there. Uh, and so that same experience is SharePoint um, search as well. Search has even more capabilities, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later in terms of the new user experience. Uh, and then inside of Delve, the same thing. And so you'll see that same uh, way of, of reflecting things. And then you'll see inside of applications like PowerPoint, uh, inside of Word, even inside of Outlook. Um, so search is becoming even more personalized there and allowing you to find sort of the capabilities that you need. And then we also showed at Ignite how this will transform into Windows as well. So straight from the Windows taskbar, you'll be able to search for a document or search for a person, which is actually even more powerful in my opinion. So I can search for you know, uh, Agnes, and if I have Agnes in my Office 365 uh, environment, she's gonna pop up, and I don't even have to search for Agnes Molnar, right? It's gonna find me the Agnes that I work with the most and return those people details to me because those are you know, more likely that I wanna start a conversation or chat or something with her. And so you know, it's sort of returning that information fast to me. So we have a whole range of different experiences. And so we really wanna think about how we're building search in, in different capabilities and different contexts, but we also wanna make sure that we're maximizing the best features for that specific context. So the personalized search results are consistent. You'll see those across the Microsoft graph, but then those individual experiences like office.com, like SharePoint, like Windows, uh, and some of the, the new private preview experience we launched around uh, being for business. So all of those experiences will have their own features and sort of capabilities on top of that, but the results will be consistent across from the graph. One of the things that <clears throat> I'd be quite interested in, I don't, because I don't know the answer to this, and I'm sure other people will be wanting to know. Uh, you mentioned a moment ago, um, and it should be general news to everyone, that um, the entry point for office.com has changed and it's become more personalized, it's going to make a lot more sense. Uh, but one of the things I'm quite curious to know is around the mobile experience for that. How it, yeah, so how I don't know that one, but... Yeah, so that's it's a great question. So we, we have a, a good video out there. There's a mechanics video, if you've seen it, I don't know if you have, or maybe you can link to it. Um, there's a Microsoft mechanics video that shows actually how we're working on those uh, on the whole experience and what's going on in there. And so we really are thinking sort of help to reposition that for our users. And the same thing is true on the mobile device of like, should I just go to office.com to help me uh, start my day, basically, right? And so instead of having to have a specific app that I go to, because we all have a billion apps, right? Um, oftentimes, it's just easier to go to a specific um, page on the web to, to help me get started. So I'm going to add office.com to my morning coffee as well to help me start the day. What a great way. Uh, before we actually, uh, before I lose uh, thought of this one, um, like I say, we are going to talk about the new SharePoint user experience with it and also dip into some of those specifics like Bing for Business and so on. Uh, but I, I've had a few people asking me, uh, and I, I had to tell them, no, sorry, I don't know the answer, uh, about how hybrid search plays into this. So if we have um, an on-prem deployment, 
in a truly hybrid uh, scenario rather than a, a disconnected coexistence, uh, how does that work in as much as are, is modern search, these new modern search experiences rather, are they able to connect and utilize on-prem data to form part of that signal processing and so on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we, we have a number of things you can do with hybrid there, and I'm sure Agnes probably has a ton of great content on it too, and we certainly have some great content uh, out on the support documentation. But what we're fundamentally saying with, with hybrid is that you have um, the ability to install the cloud uh, you know, search service application, right? So you've always heard about cloud SSA, and so you can install that on your on-prem environment. And you can choose the levels there of the kinds of content that you want to send to the graph. Uh, and so you're not moving the actual files, right? You're just indexing basically content either inside of those files or just the metadata. And it depends. Every company is a little different. If you just want to restrict it to just the author and the title and the created modified dates kind of stuff, you can do that. It's very, very basic. It won't give you as rich an experience. Uh, but you can also choose how much you want to index into that content as well. And so once you have that, you can actually use those results as part of that graph data. It's not going to be as rich as if all of that data was up in the cloud. Uh, so you really are going to see some restrictions. We can see things like site activity. Um, so we can see even in an on-premises situation, if you're clicking through into a site, we can help to, to surface that on SharePoint Home as one of the frequently uh, one of your frequent sites that you see as a, as a list on SharePoint Home. And so we can actually surface that information up there. We can also think about the different ways of, of being able to generate um, you know, an object for that in a graph. So we can actually see that there's a, a piece of content lives on on-prem. Uh, you won't notice as a user that it's on-prem, except you won't have a rich preview. That's the one thing we can't do right now uh, from a hybrid perspective. You won't have a beautiful little card. It'll just be sort of a gray card you know, with the nice graph icon and the titles and that kind of stuff. So we have a great capabilities, I think, in terms of being able to access that on-prem content and sort of light it up in the graph and be able to share at the level you're comfortable with inside of your organization to be able to do that. That's a very good explanation. Agnes, I'd, I'd like to get your view as well on um, the hybrid search experience with modern search experiences. Yes, basically, as you can guess, I, I can see more and more hybrid uh, implementations and your question makes a lot of sense, so I I'm really appreciate that you asked this because uh, it makes, you know, a big difference what you can do and how you can do and a lot of organizations uh, want to do a feasibility of everything before they get into this hybrid uh, way because it definitely has a lot of benefits for them but they are just scared in some cases and you know it's something new uh, not only for the technology, but also it needs some cult cultural changes uh, in general, not only because of search, but because of the whole uh, implementation. So, I, yeah, I really appreciate this question. One of the things you just mentioned, I just had a, an on-the-fly thought. You mentioned about uh, clients being scared, and I thought, with a little help from Agnes, you could drop the S and become cared. <laughs> there you go. Oh. <laughs> How cute is that? Um, so one of the things I, I want to just touch on here, Agnes, so you're obviously in the consulting space. You go out and you talk to people, and you just mentioned about feasibility and so on. Have people started talking already to you from your client base, whether existing or new business, potentially, about the new modern search experiences? And if so, what kind of things have they been asking? Yes, basically, um, their primary question is usually which one to use when and uh, 
yeah, actually, whatever they ask, this is the basic of their uh, concerns because, uh, yeah, they definitely, you know, if they have been already my clients, they have this kind of mindset of you have to have good metadata and good information architecture because this is my primary message I've been trying to transfer to all of my clients over the time so definitely uh the very first question is well what do you say now i mean they asked me about uh, my opinion uh, and i can tell them the very same thing that i've been telling here so it's not either modern or personalized or uh, classic you have to use both and both of them has have a very good uh, a very good uh, place in each organization so it's not a question uh, the other uh, question i usually get is and it, it i i can see more and more uh coming this question on my way maybe it's just a coincidence i'm not sure but i don't think it's a coincidence is that uh, migrating from five shares to Office 365, what to do? Because with all this personalized experience, uh, some organizations translate this into the message that it's a good practice to migrate the file share as is into Office 365 without doing any optimization, without putting any metadata, without adding anything, just copy the file share to Office 365 and the, you know, the, the, the graph will do all the magic for them. Definitely not. So, uh, and, and, and this, this is that I can see more and more and I, I, uh, I'm working with customers who are in this journey at the moment as well. And I think it's, it's going to be more and more. So is your first message to them about <clears throat> sanitizing, first of all, I guess, discovering what information you have if you're in a migration scenario, sanitizing that so that it makes sense, so that when it does go into Office 365, whichever particular part you're putting into, whether it's Exchange Online or SharePoint Online, uh, that it makes sense because search is going to look at that, is going to apply a level of intelligence and so on to it. Is that normally your starting point with them? Uh, yes, absolutely. And you know what? Uh, it's very interesting because in uh, many cases, what we discover during doing the content inventory, you know, doing a content inventory, if you have a few thousand documents, it's it's easy. But if you have millions or 10 millions of or hundreds of millions of documents, you cannot open them one by one and you cannot even ask the author what's that because Maybe the author already left the company, or maybe he cannot or she cannot remember anymore. So those kind of things. So we have to figure out some other way. And you know, during the migration, it's always a good practice to archive the content that you don't need anymore and not migrate it at all. But you know, it's much easier, faster, and cheaper to migrate the content as is versus do a proper inventory and that's the point sometimes organizations are not ready to do a content inventory and to know their own content which is a kind of scary i agree with that nick just out of curiosity in your client engagements what's the general approach been to search before we go into some of the specifics around new features that are on the way 
So um, I've worked with a bunch of different size clients in the past. So back in the day with of on-prem, um, everyone was complaining that they were not getting relevant results. So of course we had to do what Naomi was saying earlier, where we made weighted results. And basically that was most of my job for that entire engagement um, doing that. Um, I had to explain that, hey, it eventually learns as you go, but you have to go for a while. Um, now, they're not really concerned with it anymore. As long as it works, they're able to search their lists and everything. They're pretty happy um, now. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's already going in a good direction because I spend way less time messing with search than I used to. And I, I think I, I get a lot fewer questions from my clients about it too. That's good news. So Naomi, we mentioned earlier on about the new SharePoint user experience with it all. I'd like to go into a bit more detail on that just to discover a little bit more about what's new, what's available to people and, and when is it available too? Sure, sure. So yeah, we have a number of sessions out there obviously from Ignite uh, that you can see some of the demos there, which are awesome. Uh, and then we'll have some new content as well that helps to support a lot of those things uh, as well coming out. So really the sort of the, the prime objective I think is to look carefully at what the engineering and the product team have been trying to develop, which is really around how do I let you find the thing you need, right? How do I help you differentiate? How do I understand like what scenarios you're trying to solve when you're actually looking for some content or a person? Uh, and then really focus on how we can optimize the experience around that. And so there's a lot of uh, user experience design and testing that went into the layout and everything else that you see there. So even though the page looks very simple when you go in there, like the search should be, right? Uh, but we have actually built in a lot of uh, different functionality in there. And so the, the, it really starts off even when you first go to that search box. So the first time you hit the search box, you're really seeing things you know, from a, a zero time perspective. So as soon as the minute you put the cursor into the search box, you're getting our relevant documents. So we're trying to support different scenarios that way. We're really looking like, okay, when I search, oftentimes I'm just trying to get back to something I was doing before. And so just having that surfaced up is really helpful. Or sometimes I'm just trying to find something that's actually really popular in sort of the, the work group that I'm in. And so that really, those kinds of information is already being popped up right there inside the search box, again, before I've even done anything. But as I start to type, I'm getting things like query suggestions. So it's looking again at the collaboration patterns on the graph. It's surfacing up things that other people have searched for, so it's sort of helping you along the way there. And then it can even look for different files and display you some new tidbits of information on top of that. So oftentimes one of the scenarios is, okay, I'm working in, in a specific team. Uh, we have a bunch of meeting notes, right? And all of those meeting notes are similarly titled. Right. And so we're all guilty of doing this. It's like meeting notes, you know, October 12th, meeting notes, October 13th, you know, et cetera. And so it's really hard to differentiate from just the title to say, OK, which one of these millions of meeting notes is actually the right one? And so if I hover over those results again, I'm just still in the search box. Right. I haven't done anything. I haven't gone to a page yet. I haven't done anything else. I'm still in that search box and I can just hover over and I can see, OK, well, this one was last edited by, you know, by Andy. And so and at this particular time, so I can most likely say, OK, this is the one that I'm looking for, right? And so it actually gives me that little tidbit of information to help me find that thing faster. And so I can do that from SharePoint Home, I can do it inside of any site in SharePoint, anywhere else. But if I actually choose to then go through onto the search box and I actually type out a whole term and I get those results into my new beautiful search page, um, I actually can see things like the rich previews, I have a nice card that's there and it actually shows me some information uh, about that different uh, object. And so one of the things we've really done is to elevate uh, what we're doing with images in particular. So, so much of the world is visual content, right? And so it's kind of something we've kind of ignored a little bit perhaps in the past or we haven't been 
parse as well to x-rays to drawings to screenshots to receipts and letters and business cards and all that kind of fries those objects for you so as soon as you're uploading something into SharePoint or into OneDrive we're able to help recognize that this is a business focused object and then we're able to extract the text off of those things and so if you have a text match coming up there uh, you're going to see that straight away in the search results as well now so one of the we things you mentioned Okay. If I may on this one. So previously, if we were doing like a, an on-prem, I'm going to pick a, an example of SharePoint 2013. Um, we're putting together a search. So it wouldn't be unusual to enable um, the TIFF iFilter capability out of the server properties. And I think you know where I'm going on this one. It's around the OCR recognition piece. <laughs> I mean, I could be real specific we, about we, we, have, we have all the ways to do it, yes. We had a million ways to do things previously, right? So. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I've seen is a lot of investment in what kind of files can be indexed now. Well, well, not just indexed, but crawled intelligently through the content. And OCR was always one that was a little bit of a headache, especially given that you know you had to be around 300 DPI for the in a TIFF, for example, for it to um, to be crawled properly. One of the things that I, my personal query on this one is, if I put a TIFF into Office 365, I'm assuming that now or soon I'll have full OCR capability for that. You're going to have the uh, extraction of the text from that. I'm not going to say it's full OCR, and there is a reason I'm saying that, um, because what we associate with OCR and people who are familiar with search and what we've done in the past and the abilities to scan large paper chains and put them in there and do all that cool, cool stuff, this is a different tech. What we're using for the visual content intelligence piece of so this extraction of text is actually a cognitive service right, from Microsoft, so as you know from our AI and our uh, area, and so the, that unit has a different way of, of parsing the information and looking at that information. So as opposed to OCR, which was coming from a very text uh, basis, text matching basis, and looking for patterns that way, what we're actually doing is something different about how we're analyzing the photo or the image or whatever it is. And so these two things are, are not, um, they're, they're not the same, right, in terms of technology, but what we're hoping to do in the future is to do a lot more, obviously, of those capabilities. So we have, you know, the extensions on there, we've got PNGs, you've got bitmaps, you know, it can take all kinds of, of image files and it can do that text recognition and that text extraction from there and it's using some uh, pieces behind the scenes to understand again the context of what you're doing so you know one of my core uh, my uh, colleagues showed uh, inside of his search experience in his uh, 300 level session at ignite um, he showed basically he's doing things like you know I'm looking for images from Norway well that's easy right okay I'm looking for pictures from um, inside of a specific town and then okay I'm looking for street signs in in Norway, right, or street signs in Iceland, I think you did both the same difference, but it's like, so I'm looking specifically for a street sign, and then I'm looking for a specific street name that's on that street sign, right, and so that's that understanding that semantic chain there of that context mm -hmm. is a different way of thinking about things than OCR, which was kind of our brute force method of like, I just extract everything from the page, but I don't try to sort of semantically understand it. So, you know, we can think about this as barcodes, we can think about, you know, UPC codes or other things as well. So it's kind of something we're investing in. Um, you're going to see that capability should be going out uh, in just a few weeks' time. So that one's very exciting for us. <laughs> you're That's amazing. Out and all kinds of cool stuff, yeah. So with that just a moment ago, we talked about, you know, good good sanitation of your data if you're bringing it in. <clears throat> I guess the same thing, the same thought process may apply to a number of people thinking about what if I'm importing all these other types of data, not just documents from a file share, but potentially scanned items, emails, and so on. Are there any kind of limits and, and boundaries that we should be aware of? And, and I'll, I'll give a specific example. 
I don't have an OCR fixation. It's just the one that I had to deal with recently, uh, which was around the best search experience for that in a SharePoint 2013 farm for TIFFs was uploading it at a minimum 300 DPI. It did work with 200 DPI, but it would have been a lot better at 300. Are there any kind of guidelines like that for Office 365 where the file should be only up to a certain size, it should be a certain quality and so on? No, for so far we haven't come across the uh, the guidelines from a resolution perspective or anything like that. It's basically been more like your your smartphones that you have now, right? The cameras, the technology that we have now, versus okay, I'm thinking about this as printing and scanning and that kind of area. So that's we haven't tried to sort of push any uh, specific guidelines on that so far. Um, and we can we'll certainly look at how we can uh, communicate that because it's not something we've come across. And so I, I think that's one of the things we. That they'd be able to use user voice to put that through to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's something, because we, as we renounce this capability, and we'll have it go to first release first, and we'd love to hear feedback on that, right? The team is developing it is, you know, we're doing lots of cool stuff behind the scenes. So we obviously would like to know more about how people are using it. And, you know, our sort of future directions are really how do we not just analyze the image, because that's cool and useful, but we've been able to do that, right? So many techs before, um, but really how do we then take that and use it as a trigger for something inside of a workflow or somewhere else? Um, and so that's kind of a, a much bigger scenario from where we're sitting. Uh, if you think about what you could do with Flow or in fact Power Apps, et cetera, you know, those, these kind of new scenarios are much more exciting um, to consider. One of the things that I was quite impressed with recently, uh, apart from so much, by the way, but Stream. So with Stream, and again, I always say the devil is in the details, so making sure that the, the correct licensing and or additive option has been added to enable you to do this, but there is search capability, right? So, on, so I could look for uh, where Andy said um, something cool search for mm -hmm. something cool and if I said that in the video it would surface I was really impressed with that does that play That's into right. part of the personalized um, modern search experiences as well yeah so right now inside a stream because it's a very new service still um, it is automatic transcription which is what you're seeing there right is, is happening uh, and it can do things like automatic translation as well and it does facial detection so it can actually show you when faces change, right? So when I'm talking versus Agnes is talking or Nick's talking, et cetera, right? So we can see those things, um, you know, those changes happening and we can easily get to that information. So Stream is definitely a new service for us, obviously as part of Office 365 and we're working on the graph entry points for all of that data because it's not just the video file, right? It's all this other cool stuff that you have associated with it. So definitely a, a good direction for us to do. Talking of Nick talking, let, let's get him talking. Nick, uh, you've been sending me lots of messages. I can hear the dings in my ears. Surely there must be some questions, right? Yeah, so we've got quite a few questions. Um, we, we may have missed our window a little bit on some of them as far as the uh, topic goes, um, but most of them were um, around content sources. Um, for example, you know, uh, we, we already know that it goes into graph, which touches everything. So are they going to be able to search across their tasks in SharePoint, things in Exchange, like their to-dos, planner, project, things like that? Sure. So right now, as you know, the, the things we have are just the, the content sources you see uh, inside of SharePoint and OneDrive. So it's primarily those documents and images that we're talking about there. And so we do definitely have the vision to do that more extensively across all of the things. So the tasks, et cetera. We won't be announcing that at any time like this year, right, as part of this first rollout of personalized search. But you can think that behind the scenes, of course, the graph is ever expanding, right? And we want to add in as much as we can into that, uh, just because that richness of data is, is so important and, and so helpful. So it's not the end yet, but we, we know about it, we're thinking about it, and we want to do it. <laughs> 
Okay, similar question, um, but is uh, common data services ever going to be crawled? Um, so that's another one, yeah. So the, the, the changes that we're making behind the scenes uh, in SharePoint for in terms of the management of data services, thinking about all those upgrades there, we have a lot of upgrades coming around content services. Um, so if you didn't uh, look at the, um, uh, if you didn't look at Chris McNulty's session from Ignite, you should look at that as well from content services and thinking about there. And so yes, the, the Azure AD properties, all of those pieces, we, we want those to be all part of the graph. It's just, it's just not quite there yet. All right, well, this, this one should be a nice easy one. So with all these improvements, are managed properties still even relevant? Yes, definitely. So definitely. So I'll let Agnes talk about this one for sure. But what I, I want to sort of just frame this one one thing, right? This doesn't mean that you should get rid of your, you know, your managed properties, your refiners, all of the things that you want to invest in, right? What you have to understand as a company is what is a high value search scenario for you that you want to invest in and then therefore make an optimized new experience for it, right? So if you have a specific form type, if you have some, you know, some particular elements of something you want to search through, that's really, really important. So I just wanted to frame that. What we're trying to do is raise the capabilities for everybody across the graph, but those capabilities then have to be taken and understood for your organization and find what is high value for you and then invest, you know, with Agnes's help and other folks' help uh, on being able to do that. So I'll let Agnes talk about right. this. Would you like to say something about yep. that too? Yes. Yep, I'm sorry guys, no fight. Uh... We'll schedule that for the future, don't worry. <laughs> I know you want us to fight uh, with Naomi today, but I don't think we would fight. Uh, yeah, I agree with Naomi. So, you know, I just, if we come back to my pyramid, you know, if you have your well-structured data that can feed your search-driven applications, your knowledge management portal, your dashboards, whatever. Uh, so it, it still makes sense. Uh, I think the big thing today is that, I mean, you know, the message is not really, you don't need to have metadata, but the message is even if you do not have, you know, the, the everything search or the general organizational wide search uh, is just getting better. But it doesn't mean that you don't need that top of the top uh, because definitely you, you do need that. Yeah. You just need to understand how valuable that is to your organization. I think that's the piece, right? It's the business scenario, and I know Agnes will agree with me, so yes, no fighting, sorry. Um, but but it's that business scenario of like, why do I want this search capability to be much improved for my specific company? And then that helps you to understand like why I want to invest, why I want to do custom metadata, why I'm going to ask yep. my users to do extra actions, right? Because it has this much value to my organization. And so understanding that is is the critical piece, and that's what you have great folks like Agnes to be able to work with you on that. So yep. one of the things we're quite curious about, and Nomi, you mentioned a moment ago about the the high value search experience. Did you see? Uh, did Microsoft see any? And I'm going to come to you as, and again with this as well, Agnes. In a moment, uh, did you see any uh, commonly reoccurring examples of those high value search experiences? Uh, and maybe some of them led to more what Microsoft are doing with this personalization. 
Yeah, so definitely from us, it's the kind of the search scenarios that we, we encounter more common. So I would say the value from an organizational perspective is, you know, how you think about this data and how you want to surface it up in your different applications and what's important to you there. What we're looking to across Microsoft is saying, OK, if I have 100 plus million users in Office 365, like how do I get back to my data faster? Like how do I get back to the documents I was working on? Like how do I help to amplify what I'm doing and make it serviceable to other people inside of the company. So you'll see a lot of elements of that, like when we're thinking about discovery experiences, when we're trying to show you recommended re recommended items or suggested items, like even if it's suggested news, right, in SharePoint Home, right, we're trying to help you get that signal from the noise, but we're also trying to say, okay, here's some great work, and we're trying to help amplify it across the organization to relevant people that you may not know about, right? So those folks, you may not be working in a different group, and so we want to sort of surface those things up. So it's kind of like from us, it's kind of those common scenarios and then like how do I help you to basically um, up level the baseline in your company of like I can just build on what has gone before instead of spending time recreating the wheel so that I have time to do something creative and new and different and innovative that actually helps my company go to that next level. And that's really useful. Thanks very much, Nomi. Agnes, the same thing to you. You know, it'd be great to understand what are those commonly reoccurring uh, high value search experiences that your clients are asking or maybe you're helping them discover. Yes, basically, you know, with all those personalized experience, what I can see more and more is, you know, I I live in Hungary. Most of my clients are in either Western Europe or in the US, and most of them are either global organizations or at least organizations having offices across the globe or at least across Europe or across the US, whatever. So not everyone is sitting in the same office anymore. And, you know, it's, it's always a big problem, communication and collaboration in this environment. Because, you know, if I talk to you, like I, I saw you in June and I talked to you today, so I, I can get a kind of picture of what you are working on at the moment. Uh, but I haven't seen your face since June. But, you know, in this environment where I can discover content, I can just look around. I can see what you are working on. If I'm a CTO, I can see what the marketing is working on, how, the, how they advertise the product I am working on at the moment and vice versa. So uh, without, you know, I... I still believe that the most beneficial communication is in-person communication. That's not a question, but definitely I cannot call everyone. I cannot call all my colleagues. I cannot have a coffee with my colleagues. I cannot have meetings with my colleagues. So, but in, in this global environment, uh, everyone needs help and, and we have information overload at the same time. So we have, you know, colleagues and, uh, uh, contractors and everything spread across the globe and at the same time we have much more content and much more information that we can process so we definitely need help with that challenge and that's one of the most important benefit of having those personalized experiences because everything that is suggested to me is suggested to me actually and not to you and not to Naomi because you know the graph knows where I am, the graph knows my relationships, my experiences, my previous activities, and based on that, I get suggestions 
that are relevant to me. And, and, and I think this is great besides, as I said, having those search-driven applications. Uh, from the point of the classic enterprise search, where structured uh, data, uh, you know, I've been working on many uh, knowledge management applications and knowledge center-like applications where you have to collect and you have to aggregate information based on some domain, uh, you know, specific refiner, specific filters, ranking of everything. So all those magic. Uh, one of the most interesting and at the same time challenging one was a research portal for a pharma organization uh, where you know the responsibility of providing a good search experience was for the IT but the IT was not allowed to access the content at all I mean nothing so they try to figure out, they try to do interviews with all the researchers and doctors and everyone who did the actual re research, but those guys, I mean the researchers, had such a strict NDA, they were not allowed to talk about their job and their work, even about the IT of the same organization. So it was a really uh, interesting challenge to see how to create a search-driven application if you don't know what kind of data you can expect? But yeah, it's it's very challenging, but it's one of the one of the nicest. I love challenges. that, Agnes. That's what yeah. that's one of my favorite things on today. And yep, I've never even is. we're so used to. I, I'm so used to having complete access to all the data. So be warned, people. Um, <laughs> no, but you know, you know, when I, when I work with an organization, I don't have access to their data either but at least i can but interview you have such a trusting I... face so i don't understand why <laughs> but, <laughs> but of course i'm legality reason i totally get that uh, one of the things i just want to touch on there agnes and it really resonated with me when we we're talking about the personalization because if i think about things like amazon so i'm uh, uh, some people who follow me on facebook will know that I, i've got a bit of a thing for getting tools so I like to pretend uh, to be a tradesman at the weekend and build stuff and I'm not too bad at it either but the great thing about it is because of the products that I'm looking at and the products I'm buying I'm now getting suggestions that make an awful lot of sense to me and I guess that's an easy way to to put that resonation to make it resonate with other people saying if you're used to that uh, to eBay recommending to Amazon recommending and so on this this is the same concept applied in the business place so I guess it makes it easier to explain the benefit the only downside is my sister's been using my Amazon account and she's buying baby stuff. So I'm seeing all sorts of interesting results. So don't share your account. Um, I just want to cover off a few things before we finish up. And uh, I promised Mark Stokes, uh, he's uh, an Office 365 MP in the UK, that I would ask his question. And we're just going to come to a couple of new capabilities. So uh, Mark asks, what are some best practices when building search-based applications in Office 365 when you cannot guarantee how quickly search will index? Good question. Um, so the, I would really think about a couple of different things. We are obviously working very hard to improve how fast um, new content is put into the graph. Uh, we've had substantial reductions in time than if you may have even looked at it even last year. Um, so things are getting better and better uh, every time there. I, can, I would say, you know, Sorry. I can go tell it's true. No, sorry, no interruption. I just I can tell it's true. 
this could be the start to a fight if you'd like so, it to be. No, 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 no it's not, not at all. No, we, we really have been working extremely hard on that. And so I know that in the past, our performance has not been great. And I've only been at Microsoft for six months, so, you know, I can I know how it was before, right? So, um, but things are definitely getting better and we are uh, definitely improving that as, as we go. I'd say, you know, from a best practice perspective, and I'll let Agnes talk to this as well, um, I think it's more around, you know, setting the user expectation of like when that content might be seen uh, because oftentimes it's like it's hard to, to say okay this you know this application may be updated you know every 20 minutes or something and it's really annoying I realize for a user but you do have to flag it from the experience perspective of like your most latest content may not be there already right because we do have an expectation oftentimes it's like you take a picture or whatever it is like I expect it to be right there right like immediately in search right and so it's not quite there yet so there is going to be that lag and so I think flagging from a user experience perspective that when I do have a portable application or whatever it is I'm on my phone that I'm going to have something that says there and say hey I'm really sorry you know it's going to maybe take you know 20 minutes or something for that, that content to be entered into the into the graph um, and we are working on it definitely um, so we, we're aware of the problem. Agnes I don't know if you have any other tips to share from a best practice perspective. No I, I, I think the primary best practice is communication it's not a question so uh, you know it's again it's it's a very common confusion that people sometimes think that continuous crawl means immediate crawl, but it does not. You know, so it's all about, as, as you said, communication. We have to communicate the users. Don't expect your content to be there literally immediately. This time frame gets shorter and shorter. It's not a question, uh, but it's not immediate, definitely. That's really useful. So one of the things that some people may be wondering, <clears throat> so in a typical on-prem uh, installation, I can I can typically see what people are looking for, whether that's right or wrong is a separate conversation, but at least I'll see the top search terms and so on. Do What's the reporting and insights look like with Office 365 with the search experience? What options are available? And is there anything going to be changed in this area? And, and I guess for me, there's a particular interest in what signals are being surfaced? Yeah, so there's a couple of different things there. I don't think uh, in the short term, I'm saying until the end of the year, you're not going to see anything different than the capabilities we already have. Uh, because again, our focus has been on let's raise the tide basically for or for everything from a personalization perspective. And then we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, the question is really around things like best bets and around things like bookmarks uh, inside of, of Bing for Business. And so I think that could be an interesting sort of to talk about that, that briefly. Uh, because if we think about the, the new private preview program that that we announced at Ignite, which is ramping for business. And so the idea is that I can surface up organizational data along with you know, just regular internet search data and in a more safe and secure way um, inside of my, my browser. And so one of the things that the Bing for Business uh, capabilities has, they have the idea of bookmarks, which if you're in SharePoint means best bets, but it's the same thing basically. And we have the ability to surface both of those things up in, in their respective places. Um, but the idea is that you can see some search history there and look for what people might be going to the internet to search for that could be searched for on your intranet. 
And I think that's an important piece of data, right? We don't have that right now inside of SharePoint, right? As you just search in SharePoint, you're looking for something, right? But what we don't have is this whole body of like, oh, people search for something that they could have found in SharePoint but didn't know existed, right? And so um, that's, I think, a good capability there. So the Bing for Business uh, private preview program, something you can apply for, obviously, to see um, if it fits for you. But you do have some uh, visibility there in terms of what people are searching for outside of their normal search experience, right? What are the what are we just missing altogether? Um, so that might be a good way to sort of think about it. Nomi, how would people find out more about Bing for Business and getting involved potentially with the private preview? Yeah, sure. So we, um, I can't remember the link off the top of my head, but it's um, on the tech community, we have the Intelligent Search and Discovery blog. Uh, and so I have a, a long post there. And in there is the link for the Bing for Business uh, private previews in there. Um, and my colleague, Dean King-Smith, who's on the Bing side, uh, also has a blog out on the Bing.com blog as well. <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. That's really useful. Thank you. Uh, and in the closing minutes, one of the, the new things that I also noticed at Ignite uh, was around multi-geo, but I didn't realize that, that search played a part in this as well. Um, could you explain a little bit more about that, please? Yeah, sure. So one of the things we talked about here is really that multi-geo scenario where the data has to live in the local uh, sovereignty, basically, in that, in that data region. And so we have the ability now, that's one of the things we announced, obviously, was the ability to keep that data in that uh, particular uh, area, as well as being able to keep the index in that area. Right. So previously, it was kind of thinking about, OK, how do I index this content and make sure that I only have that? So if I am an employee and I'm sitting in Germany, um, I basically see the results that I have from the German index because I have access to that content. And obviously, it gets created at the time of uh, the, on the page. It's basically creating that result set at the time of the things that I have access to. And so I see both the results from Germany. I also see the results from the US if those are relevant. But if I'm sitting in Asia Pac or if I'm sitting in you know, wherever in North America, I'm going to see different sets of results based on, again, what I have access to and what the data localization strategy is. So it's kind of, you know, in addition to just having that multi-geo capability, which is something we obviously need inside of SharePoint, but you have now the ability to, to have that, that index be local to that data as well. well. That's very useful. One of the things I remember before from trying to deal with data isolation when it came to searches, it wouldn't be untypical of organizations to have more than one search service application and controlling who has access to them. So for example, legal uh, may have a lot more um, connectivity to the data and access, I should say, to it Yeah, than, than somebody else in the organization. How do you advise those people to, to think about that approach in an Office 365 search scenario? Yeah, if multi-geo is a big concern for you, so if data sovereignty is a, is a huge concern for your company, um, and I would say it's only really the biggest companies in the world, right, that would have this, and especially those that are not headquartered in North America, right? So if you're that company, you know who you are. Um, and so if you're that organization, it's kind of really thinking about, again, if you are making that, that result set, so you're making all of that data be part of that sovereign cloud, wherever it may be, if it's Canada and Asia Pacific or Germany or wherever it is, right? wherever your data is living, basically that indexing capability um, can be switched on just for that data. And then as long as, again, from that control perspective, the employee has access to those resources and that employee is a member of that AAD group, which is you know in German employees, for example. I'm just picking on German employees. It could be anybody, obviously, but I'm just picking on German employees. So if you have access 
access to that content, then you're going to see those results. And if you don't, it won't. Um, as one of the reasons we didn't show it so much at Ignite, we announced it, but we didn't show it because basically the net result is the result page looks exactly the same as it should, right? It's like everybody else's result page, except you see the things you're allowed to um, and not the stuff that you're not allowed to. So. That's useful. Thanks for explaining that, Naomi. Uh, so we can, we're coming down to the close of our session. Uh, and at this point, it's always great to help people know where the best resources are to learn more. So uh, Naomi, from a online learning resource and also keeping up to date, whether that's roadmap announcements and so on, where would you recommend the best places are for people to consume that from Microsoft? Yeah, so I would look to the intelligence search and discovery blog that we have on the tech community. That is basically where a lot of the announcements would be made. And you'll see a lot more in there. We just have a couple posts in there right now, but we're getting started on, on all these other pieces. Uh, and then we have also the, um, you know, this related resources attached to there. So things like fast track and all things that help you migrate up to the cloud. So, you know, you saw things like migration services being announced at SharePoint, right, for those kind of customers as well. So there's a lot of stuff there. So fasttrack.office.com. Uh, is the best way to get started. Like if you just need help moving and getting started with that whole process and then just to keep up to date, I would say the intelligent search and discovery blog on the tech community. Is that also where people find a link through to user voice to feedback on their, their experience so far? Yeah, yeah. So in that space, there is definitely there. So we go through the SharePoint uh, user voice right now. So sharepoint.uservoice.com. So it's that's the best way to put questions and comments about that specific search experience. That's really useful. Thank you very much, Nomi. And Agnes, you're, you're doing quite a lot of search workshops around this, aren't you? And, and in all parts of the world as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yes, basically, um, you know, this year I have dedicated most of my time to educate people about search and how search can be better. Uh, so. I, I did a workshop, for example, in New York, in Amsterdam. My next one is in Seattle in November, which is a two-day, all-day-long uh, premium workshop with a lot of exercises, hands-on labs and everything. So if you want to learn how to customize your search, and also it, you know, it covers not only um, the technology, but also the best practices, also how to plan, uh, how to do search governance, and all those kind of related things. Uh, that's going to be in Seattle, November, and definitely you can find information about it uh, at my blog at searchexplain.com. And also I have found uh, that many people cannot travel too much or cannot uh, attend my in-person workshops, and I've got more and more requests about creating and providing online trainings as well. So just uh, during Ignite, I have launched my first online a course as well, uh, which also can be found uh, on my website. So from the comfort of your office or from your home or even from, you know, from the beach, uh, if you if you want. Um, yes, you can you can learn how to how to configure everything in search both on prem and also in, in Office 365. It definitely covers all the personalized experiences as much as it is. Uh, accessible at the moment and 
Yeah, and also it's evergreen, so I keep updated it. I was waiting for that key bit, and I certainly will be consuming from there because uh, I know you've been in the search area for a very long time, uh, and you're close to the product team and keep up to date with that. So, guys and girls, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure there are lots of thoughts about search. I certainly have more thoughts on this as well. Uh, So, my proposal is that we, uh, all the people together on today's webinar, reconvene at some future point and we'll talk about some a little bit more on that so we'll give people an opportunity to feed back in we are going to be back surprise surprise in two weeks what on earth are we talking about next time uh, well many people were wondering about patterns and practices and i am pro on out of the cloud 365 group uh, who's curious so we're going to be talking to paolo i'm going to guess his surname i'm terrible at this agnes i think you'll know this paolo pilarsi pilarsi yes pilarsi right i'm famous for getting you know, yeah. So he's going to be talking us through the patterns and practices and how that plays in with Office 365. And we're going to be joined also with uh, one of our brilliant guests, Tiago Costa. Now, Nick, uh, it's probably a good moment for you just to remind everyone about the brilliant conference that's coming up, the 100% free, 100% online conference. Go. It is coming up really soon. I'm, I'm kind of going crazy with all the stuff I have to do about it. It is November 1st, so just a couple you weeks. You looked even more ahead, didn't you? I, I did. I've been pulling it out just to get prepared ahead of time. Um, so yeah, it's free. You can still sign up now. I think we've already hit the 3,000 attendee marks. We've got well over 100 sessions coming, plus a live track from around the world. It is going to be ridiculous. I'm very excited about it. It is. So, Nick, where do people go to find out more information about that? That, of course, is on this very site, collab365.community. There's a big thing right in the sidebar on the right that says this global conference. Uh, Just click on that, and you can sign up right there. That's great. Thanks very much, Nick. So from everyone here at Cloud365, a very special thank you uh, to Naomi Moneypenny from Microsoft and from Magnus Muller from SearchExplained.com. Thank you for joining us, and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. Thanks so much.